Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Welcome to another edition of the Better Together podcast. I am your co-host, Rosario Picardo. And I'm Callie Picardo. And today we have with us Dr. Brian Russell. Brian is an award-winning professor of biblical studies and former dean at Asbury Theological Seminary, as well as a transformational coach for pastors and spiritually-minded professionals. He has a personal mission that I love to seek out, study, and embody the deepest truths about God so that he can share them with others. He's the author of numerous books, um, but we're excited to talk to him about his latest release, Centering prayer, sitting quietly in God's presence can change your life. Brian, welcome to the Better Together podcast. Oh, it's such a joy to be with both of you, and thanks for the kind invitation. Well, Brian, I was joking earlier as we were coming in and coming from all different directions and trying to focus in on today, I said, gosh, we need this topic of centering prayer Um, But I feel like some people hear that and might have uh, their own idea of what that means, which might vary for people and others might not even really know what centering prayer is. What, how do you, how do you define it? What is centering prayer? Yeah. Centering prayer, the easiest way, I'll give a couple of metaphors depending on where people are coming from. Um, First, I'll say it's essentially the prayer, a prayer of silence where you're actually just literally sitting in silence with God and surrendering anything that comes up into your conscious as essentially an offering to God. Uh, Another way of thinking about it is you could call it silent meditative prayer. So if people are familiar, and sometimes that word scares people, but if people are familiar with essentially like a word like mindfulness, which again, that's a secular phrase, this idea that you, you sit in silence and centering prayer essentially is you take a word and I just suggest everybody just keep it simple and use Jesus because that's who we're sitting mm. with and before uh, and you set a timer uh, and close your eyes, make sure you're in a comfortable chair and it, you know, it kind of needs to be quiet or at least a consistent sound behind you. So you're not getting distracted by noises, but then you just uh, you sit for as long as you've set an intention to sit. Your goal is nothing other than to surrender, again, thoughts, uh, the tapes to play in our head, aches in the body, whatever comes up, distractions. And whenever you find yourself distracted, which you will most of the time, you just kind of say to yourself, Jesus, and ideas, you're just kind of punching holes through your continuous thought stream. And you're offering that to God. This doesn't replace regular types of prayers, but this is a contemplative practice that, if done over consistently over a, a, a time, will yield um, spiritual growth. I mean, there's, there's just there's it, it 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 will. It's almost a guarantee. It will. So this isn't you know 
your invention as smart as you are, this isn't something that you came up with, but you know, where else have we seen this and what resources have you looked back at to help inform your writing? Yeah, it it has roots in the earliest centuries of the church. I mean, you can argue that the you know the the ideas of sitting in silence before God, you can find them in the Old Testament. Uh, Be still and know that I'm God. There's all kinds of uh, places where you're just like Elijah on Mount Horeb, where all this spectacular stuff was going on. But it says like in First Kings, and sometimes this gets mistranslated. It's um. Elijah, you know, he hears God in utter silence. Sometimes we hear it this still small voice, but it's really just utter silence. Mm -hmm. Jesus regularly went away uh, to a quiet place. Uh, Matthew 6, go into your closet in secret and silence. And so there's models that are there. The early monastic movement would go out and live in silence and solitude. And that's where essentially this idea of contemplative prayer comes out of. Uh, you can go through the mystics, mystical tradition, usually with in the Roman Catholic Church, and then the centering prayer itself roots um, in the ni- about 1970. Um, um, some monks, Thomas Keating, Basil Pennington, a few other folks, they were noticing a lot of Catholics, including priests, <laughs> We're going down the street to learn transcendental meditation. And this was back in the, you know, the 60s, kind of the hippies movement in this new kind of emerging new age. And they were like, wait a second, we've been doing this prayer for millennia in our monasteries. Can we create a vehicle for normal people who aren't living a 24-7 monastic life so they can learn to do contemplative prayer? Uh, Another voice I would point out would be someone like Thomas Merton, though he died before the words, the phrase centering prayer emerged. So that, I mean, so if if you look at my book, it's, it's fairly heavily documented. I went back and used ancient sources and contemporary resources on uh, contemplative prayer and, and, and centering prayer to write it. Now, Brian, you are not a monk. You are a professor. How did you get interested in centering prayer? Was this something that has been significant in your own life? Absolutely. Um, I would go as far to say as uh, contemplative practices, and I'll just name two. Um, My book is on centering prayer, but essentially centering prayer and intentional journaling, sort of a prayer of examine, those, uh, just looking back, I'll just be totally blunt. I mean, it saved my faith. Um, I'd gone through, and I and part of the book is written against this. I, I just went through an unexpected, um, in some ways devastating divorce from my first marriage back in 2010, and it just evaporated everything on the inside of me for a long time. Um, you know, and I was a pastor, already a professor, and I sort of knew what I would counsel somebody else, but my soul was just... Um, just devastated and blunt. And I, you know, I was even wondering, it's like, um, I don't even know how to make sense of this. And again, I knew what Bible passages to read. I knew how to pray. I had all kinds of pastors were my friends and it's just like nothing worked. And uh, I just found myself with a, a basic journaling practice one day at a time. And then a friend introduced me to centering prayer. And I just found myself sitting in silence and God did a new work in my interior life, uh, that again, knows an in, this is not an instantaneous fix. This is a practice. Um, 
But, you know, sitting in silence for um, years and years, just I'm just now looking back because that's the only way you can ever understand stuff. It's like that Kierkegaard quote, um, you can only live moving forward. You can only make sense of it looking back. Looking back, I see that my time in silence, um, God actually did a deep work of sanctification through that. So, um, yeah, I'm a practitioner to this day. I'm an advocate. I don't won't necessarily say it's for everyone, but... I think it could enhance anyone's faith that wanted to experiment with it. But again, it sits on top of our other spiritual practices. But yeah, it means um, I probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for uh, the centering prayer practice that I started back really almost over 10 years ago now. Do you think that centering prayer can be practiced in a communal or corporate setting? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really fun. Like, for example, the Quaker tradition— um, that's how the, they don't call it centering prayer, but they do their meetings this way. They sit in silence and, and things settle and then, you know, someone will speak in the meeting. But basically the Quakers run their worship services in a sense with a, a prayer of silence. Um, it's actually easier sometimes for people I've noticed to actually sit for long periods of time in silence when they do it with other people. So like every monthly, and if people are interested, they could go to centeringprayerbook.com. I do a sign up. I do a monthly centering prayer gathering with another fellow centering prayer author named Rich Lewis. So we do a monthly, we talk about centering prayer and we do a 20 minute virtual sit together before my classes at Asbury. I teach in intensives, but the, the days I do the intensives, I invite students to come a half hour early and a lot of them do 20 minute sit. Um, my wife and I, one of our practices together, and I love this, um, uh, ever since COVID, when she transitioned from her job to his work at home uh, opportunity, we do 20 we do twenty minutes together within 15 minutes of waking up every single day. And so it's actually powerful by yourself, but it can be really powerful in a communal setting. That was a long answer to your easy question, but absolutely, it's it's a communal activity, can be, and it's really powerful. I love that idea of having the accountability around you to sit in silence because otherwise it's easy to fill the silence with noise. And I, I know that this has been a practice that's been um, very helpful for me because I'm an extrovert. And so I tend to talk more than I listen sometimes, but I really want to be able to listen to God. I know you said it's not for everyone. I mean, who, who have you seen really, are there is is there a this type of person often really responds powerfully to this type of prayer? Is there have you seen any patterns? That's an interesting question. Uh, like I know, like I don't know if you all do enneagram stuff or if listeners are aware of that, but like my spiritual director, uh, he recommends centering prayer for everyone, but in particular. He's noticed that people that are in the heart triad, so two, two, three, four, that it's just an absolute core practice. And I'm a three. And so, you know, and I'm an introvert too, but I don't think the introvert extrovert has anything to do with it. I think it's people that literally are just kind of that get stuck in their heads a lot or super high achievers with a lot of anxiety around that because it literally lets you let go of all that stuff, any kind of false images or illusions and just kind of burns things away. So for sure that group, but I would say, uh, you know, anybody that maybe that has any kind of addiction issues too, um, like centering prayer is often, what is it? The, it's either 
11th or the 12th step, it's one of those practices that gets associated at the at, as, as part of the 12-step program because it lets you find a center in God apart from any external stimulus, uh, and it lets you just sit and observe. Um, like if a person's struggling with a particular addiction, you can just sit with the feeling, that empty void that, that people use substances or practices or habits. And so it's super effective in there to kind of strip those things away and allow a person to find their their true home, their true self in uh, literally silent communion or even experience of oneness um, with God. And you know, let me be clear on that last thing. Um, you know, two contri- true contemplative prayers when God gives us the experience of God's presence. Um, centering prayer doesn't guarantee that from our side. We're just um, consenting to God's presence if God wants to gift that to us, and we're just surrendering essentially our side of things. Uh, but we're not, this isn't like a prayer that manipulates God into doing something for us. This is just, I'm here, Lord, in. I'm not going to let any sensation, feeling, thought, old tape separate me from experiencing you in silence. I know for me, I am not recovering from addiction abuse per se, but I'm Mm -hmm. definitely addicted to perfectionism and doing and striving. And so for me, this has been a powerful practice to be like, nope, I'm not what I do. I am who I am just as a child of God and just to be still and let the to-do list wait um, is requires a lot of self-discipline, a lot of God's grace, because I feel like every time I do this type prayer, I have to have a piece of paper by the side because something will pop in my head. I'm like, let me get it out. Let me just set it over there. And so I can return to that stillness. Um, I know you mentioned having a word like Jesus to help bring you back to the present. If people are interested in trying this, obviously your book is an incredible resource, but any um, practical advice and wisdom that you would share with our listeners today about how to start if this is a new practice for people? Yeah, I think the key thing to start is, you know, set the intention first, that's the most important thing. And I'm just going to sit in silence and then lower expectations because the reality is the only way you mess this up is by not doing it. And so, you know, pick a time. And I, and I will say like, you asked a group question. I never did it for 20 minutes until I sat in a group. Cause I was like slowly painfully moving up from like two minutes. And I would just warn people if they've never done it in silence and you really have an active brain two minutes can sometimes just feel like it's an hour. And, and sometimes it still feels like that for me. And so, you know, you can't never judge the sessions because the worst thing that happens is you use your prayer word, which means you're returning to the God that loves you multiple times. So I would just say, set a timer. If you want to try it for five minutes, start there. If you want to just go for it and go for 20, do it, but um, just honor that intention to sit and don't judge whether you think it goes good or bad. Um, sometimes you may feel like you're struggling the whole time, and then the last couple seconds, you just finally settle. And so just recognize it's a journey, and you're not ex- the, the goal isn't fireworks. The goal is learning to surrender. And, and it, I mean, that that's the whole thing. This is actually a process of letting go. And like you mentioned, um, 
the the driven person you know, um, that that's this is the whole thing this gets us back to that core issue of who am i really S- centering prayer will teach you that because it strips away everything all the roles our history both good and bad and the other thing i would just give is just a warning um you know, you mentioned you'll think of something, you want to write it down. Um, that's those are the easy thoughts because, like you just said, you just write it down, it's gone, you know, or or you can just let it go and hope it comes back. But what um, the monastics found early on, and this remains true, is if you sit in silence long enough, you'll get confronted um, by the pain that you've probably repressed. That can be things you've forgotten, guilt. I mean, traumas that sometimes come up. And that's part of the process, but it can be a little unsettling. Um, I talk about it in my book. Um, like when I, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing to say, but it's just the truth. Um, when I when I started sitting in silence for a long time, I just had all of these tapes of how angry I was would just float through my head. And then sometimes I'd even be thinking about like about sex and stuff. I was single and divorced. And I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with me? All I am is mad. And I'm thinking about sex, and I'm supposed to be sitting in silence with God. Um, now, what I didn't know, and this is one of the reasons I wrote the book, is um, th- that's this, the whole seven deadly sins tradition came out of monastics who had left everything and these very sorts of things. They were confronted by that because you think you leave the world, but you found out the world travels with you because it's inside of you. And so... That's the one warning I give, but that's the beautiful sanctifying things. You lose illusions of your own goodness while simultaneously God shows you your true self, which is a beautiful, you know, person loved by God. And so that's the beautiful thing. But I do give that as a warning because even Thomas Keating, the um, he's the one that coined the phrase centering prayer. He has a whole book on divine, he calls it divine therapy. It's basically God gets inside of you. It pulls out the junk in our lives that frees us up then for the spirit to come in and, you know, and, and ch- transform us by his grace. I notice um, from times in worship, you know, that in the Protestant tradition, we're afraid of silence even there. And even if you have people silent for 30 seconds or a minute, it can be awkward, but I, I do feel like it's, a powerful time when we're able to do that. Have you seen that modeled or done well in that corporate worship setting? You know what? I I guess I'm going to have to say modeled well. I mean, every once in a while you'll hear like a moment of silence. I haven't seen an extended block of silence modeled. And obviously with a large, depends how big the group is, right? It can get uh, pretty loud. I've been in large intentional centering prayer groups of up to like a hundred people, but they're there for that. So I I can't actually say I've seen it modeled, but why couldn't it be integrated? And you would just have to iterate and and see what works and, you know, do some instructions and then, you know, evaluate. So, um, so sorry, I'm not, can't be more helpful, but I think it's worth giving it a shot. I love that. And it's, it's really, I think some people are hearing this and like, Oh, this sounds scary or maybe a little intense. I mean, all, I don't know if I want to face who I am in the silence. The noise sounds easier, but um, Brian, I know you found freedom in it and you said, you know, it really just saved you. It saved your soul. Um, 
for those that are needing that little extra nudge because they're still a little uh, intimidated by this idea, what would you say are um, just some of the things to possibly look forward to knowing that it's a different experience for everyone, but why should someone even, even take that risk? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for the, the great question. And uh, it's, uh, it's worth taking the risk uh, is, you know, I've seen people have run into me that knew me before, and it wasn't like I was a horrible person or anything. I mean, I've been a good teacher. I've been a pastor for years, but some of my former students just mentioned how chilled I am now. And I don't think that's just age. And like, I could say my blood pressure is lower. Um, and again, we don't do centering prayer for <laughs> to get your blood pressure lower, but my anxiety is way down. Uh, I've noticed like, you know, just, just for example, uh, like I won teacher of the year, like a long time ago at Asbury for my teaching last year, I won the mentoring award and, you know, the old me was always been a good teacher, good thinker, you know, all that kind of stuff that goes with being an academic, but I'm more present now. I know I listen a lot better. I'm a better husband. Um, I'm a better father because I can just sort of see what's going on and feel it on the inside of me. And slowly, this is a long process. Um, I don't think I project my own crap onto other people as frequently as I used to. And so that's a, a real sanctification thing. And like, you know, a lot of Methodists listen to this, Wesleyan folks, um, you know, in our doctrine of holiness, we have that thing called infirmities which is usually a free pass for people still to be have it, <laughs> to be problematic even though they're entirely sanctified i would suggest that centering prayer works on those infirmities now for a person who's nervous let me just give two quick little one line prayers that i think you can use in combination before or after centering prayer um one is just always remember the Jesus prayer. If something comes up, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So when the junk comes up, I mean, we have that resource. But I'd also encourage people because this isn't just about having scary stuff come up. Because a lot of people, um, you know, like you might call them the frozen chosen or people that are deeply shamed, centering prayer is going to heal that too. So this isn't just scary. It's going to show me the bad stuff. It's going to show you the good stuff. The other prayer that I love, this comes from a spiritual director named Macrina Viterkara. I heard it via Maxie Dunham, um, but it goes back to this um, Roman Catholic spiritual director. And it goes like this. And you can say this before you do the centering prayer. God help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how wonderful it is. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to come out too. So don't want to just scare. I always like to give that warning because you will be confronted sometimes with some challenging things, but you're going to see the beautiful stuff too. And, and the most important thing is once in a while, because this doesn't happen every time, you get that true gift of contemplation. And what you run into, it, it's hard to describe because this is wordless. You're, you're essentially, I mean, I think every once in a while, maybe I'm going to say like twice, <laughs> I literally felt like I was in the presence of God and it's, it's pure love. And it, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like if that, I, I don't think, I don't care if it ever even happens to me ever again, I'll sit in silence with, happily because it was so powerful and so healing. And you just get this feeling that I am enough. I do enough. And there's always going to be enough because th that's, that's God. And that's 
what I would encourage people. To, that's what the contemplative practices all ultimately do. They allow you to encounter uh, God as the God as the lover of our soul. Um, not and we're not then just a, a servant. We're a child of God and who's deeply loved. And you get to the point. Um, this is a line from Paul Tillich, who's not really you know that's kind of a. A the, uh, interesting theologian from the 20th century, but he talked about the moment of grace was the time when you accept the fact that you're unconditionally accepted. And most of us can say as evangelicals, oh, yeah, I know that, but it's like, do you really know it? Do you feel it all the way into your bones? I mean, I will just say for myself, I don't think I did. Um, and that's what these practices have done for me. And it's um, it changes everything. So that, that would be the encouragement that I would give to someone who thinks maybe this is a little scary. It's like, um, um, you're in a God, it's, you're with sitting in silence before the God who unconditionally loves your soul. And, uh, you know, but God's going to purify us too. So it's, it's a little bit of both. Where can our listeners pick up a copy of Centering Prayer? Yeah. If you just want to just one copy for yourself, I would just hop on Amazon. Uh, it's, I think it's less than $10 for a Kindle. And I think it's like 15 or $16 for the paperback. Now, if you, want to get a, a, a block of a, a multiple copies for a group, I would say go directly to Paraclete Press. And they have excellent discounts, uh, especially for, for churches and, and groups. And you can ask for Sister Estelle. She's the uh, she's she's the one that uh, deals with direct sales. And it's a wonderful team of uh, Benedictines at uh, Paraclete Press. And they'll give you a great discount for as long as you get like three copies, you can get a pretty good discount straight from Paraclete. But one copy, go to Amazon. Awesome. And to hear more about your writings and what you're up to, where can we find that? Yeah, it's uh, you can find me on all the social media accounts, but the easiest place is go to brianrussellphd.com and you can find uh, links to a a blog, my podcast, my books, uh, my coaching stuff, as well as um, direct links to all my social media accounts. But that that would be great. brianrussellphd.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Brian. We're glad to have you today, and it's been a pleasure. Well, thank both of you. It's great to see you, and thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in here. It's a real, It's been a real joy, and I really enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. So for our listeners, if you want to engage in Centering Prayer or if you know somebody who needs to really do this, uh, share the podcast with them or share Brian Russell's book. Uh, centering prayer, and we know it will be a blessing. Remember, until next time, we are better together. God bless.